Welcome to Day of Destiny with Dr. Michelle Corral, author, prophetic teacher, and pastor of Breath of the Spirit Prophetic Word Center. Dr. Corral can be seen weekly, nationwide, and around the world on her weekly telecasts that air on God TV, Impact, and Word Network. Now, let's join Dr. Corral by experiencing Day of Destiny, designed with your highest destiny in mind. Now, here is Dr. Corral. One of the most powerful principles in God's word concerning revival is repairing the ruins. Nehemiah, the man of God who put his entire life on the line to go back to Jerusalem to rebuild the ruins, reveals to us in the book under his name, the supernatural secrets of revival in the church and in our lives. Hi, I'm Dr. Michelle Corral, and today I have a program for you that I believe will change your life concerning revival, rebuilding the ruins, and also how God will bring divine restoration in the midst of your devastation. We are in the season of the 21 days of Messianic miracles. In order to understand what I'm speaking to you about, I would like you, if you will, to open your Bible with me just for a moment to the book of Nehemiah. And I want you to see how revival begins with a cry of anguish. A cry of anguish that actually brings us to the place that we realize we are not receiving everything God has for us. When we look back at the ruins that are in the church today, the gates that have been burnt with fire, the gates actually are the foundations, the principles of our faith. The gates also represent for us entranceways, passageways, into the presence of God. And when Nehemiah heard the report that Jerusalem was in ruins, it had not changed for over the 70 year period that God commanded that it lie in ruins under the prophet Jeremiah. That after the 70 year period, those settlers that went back to rebuild the ruins of Zion did not have the power to rebuild the walls. But today, I'm going to show you the supernatural secrets of repairing the ruins and how we can bring revival in our own lives and back to the church. Let's look at the Word of God just for a moment before we go live to our revival center in Anaheim, California. Let's look at the Word. The Bible tells us in Nehemiah chapter 1, looking, beloved saints, at verse 20, or let's look first at verses 1 and 2. Hanani, one of my brethren, came, he and certain men of Judah, and I asked them concerning the Jews that had escaped, that were left of the captivity. And they said to me, they that are left of the captivity are in the province, are in great affliction, and the walls of Jerusalem are also broken down, and the gates thereof are burnt with fire. And the Bible tells us that when Nehemiah heard these things, he sat down and he wept many days. Now, the difference between Nehemiah and those of us that are living in this generation is that we cannot see the ruins in the gates. We cannot 
see the wall that's been broken down and we cannot see the gates that have been burnt with fire. But beloved saints, I want you to understand those gates represent entranceways into the presence of God. And the key to revival is repairing the ruins of the gates. And you know the Bible tells us that it actually was the Babylonians that destroyed the gates of Jerusalem. And it was the Babylonians that burnt the gates with fire. The Bible tells us all throughout the scripture that the Babylonians are not only the people from Chaldea in ancient times that burnt the city of Jerusalem, but also the Babylonians in a, in a prophetic sense of scripture are spiritually synonymous with the system of the world, with all that the world has to offer. And whether we realized it or not, there is an integration that is coming into the church that is a forbidden mixture with the system of the world and God's system. But I want you to know that when Nehemiah began to repair the gates, those particular principles represent eternal principles that will never change. The Bible tells us that we see in Nehemiah chapter 3 when he began to repair the gates and build the gates again. The Bible tells us that he set up the doors and the locks. Why did he set up the locks? Why did he set up the bars, the locks? Because we must understand that the principles that lead us into the presence of God are eternal. They're locked up forever. They're everlasting gates. This is why the Bible says in Psalm 24, lift up your heads, O ye everlasting gates, and let the King of glory in. So these principles are eternal principles. They're locked up forever. And we must understand it was the Babylonians, the system of this world, the things of this world that have actually caused the gates, the ruins in the church to come. Now, beloved saints, I want to share with you just some of the gates so that you and I will learn about repairing the ruins. And then we're going to go live to the service in Anaheim and watch the rebuilder of your ruins telecast today that we have dedicated to you so that your ruins will be rebuilt. The first gate I want to speak about is the sheep gate. You know, this was the first gate that Nehemiah ordered to be rebuilt, and it was rebuilt by the high priest and by the priest. And the Bible tells us that this gate was sanctified. It says it twice. Why did the high priest of Israel, who had the highest position, the greatest, if you will, in Hebrew concept, Kedusha, that means the greatest holiness, why is he rebuilding the gate? How could it be that a high priest would take nails in his hands and begin to actually rebuild the gate? It is because our great high priest, Jesus Christ, rebuilt the gate, the gates that lead to the entrance into the city, which is the entrance into the presence of God. We also see that this is the sheep gate. The sheep gate was the gate by which all the sacrifices entered into Jerusalem that were going to be offered on Passover. Jesus Christ is our Passover lamb, and he is entrance into the gate. Hallelujah. And then we see the fish gate. The fish gate was a very powerful gate. 
Did you know that the fish gate needs to be rebuilt in our lives? The fish gate was a special gate in Nehemiah's time that was rebuilt where the fishermen from Galilee would enter in through that gate and sell their fish in the market. Did you know that's an eternal gate? He has called us to become fishers of men, but we must pay the price. And that is that the gate that enters in through the fish gate to win souls for Christ, the gate that leads to ministry, the gate that leads to purpose, the gate that leads to our calling is a gate that is going to require a price to be paid. Jesus said, if any man come after me, let him deny himself, pick up his cross and follow me. Jesus said that the price of discipleship I will make you fishers of men, is a very costly price. Jesus said, unless a man forsake all that he has, he cannot be my disciple. And thirdly, in verse 6, we see one of the most powerful gates, beloved. That is the old gate. Nehemiah had the gates and the bars and all of the doors repaired in the old gate. What is the old gate? Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 16. Jeremiah proclaimed all of Israel, and he said to the people of Judah, to return to the old path, the path that you have heard from the beginning, the paths that lead to righteousness. You see, the old gate represents the wisdom of God, the word of God. The Bible tells us in Proverbs 8.22 that the Lord possessed me from the beginning of the days of old. I want you to understand the old gate represents this word that never changes, this word that is the same, Jesus Christ that is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The Bible that contains principles that are eternal that can never be changed. That's why we enter into the presence of God through that old gate. And in that old gate, we think of men like John Wesley. We think of women like Mariah Woodworth Eder. We think of the generals that went before us, the martyrs of the church, those that stood for righteousness, those that brought reformation and transformation to the church. Beloved saints, this is the hour for revival. Let us call out to God. Let us ask God for a Nehemiah anointing. Let us become baptized in the baptism of anguish, calling out to God to rebuild our ruins. And now let's go live to the revival service in Anaheim. And I'll be back in a moment. Speaks about and that we see throughout the scripture. And that is the kind of good that doesn't look good right now. But God had a good plan behind it. Are you with me? If you are, say amen. Say this with me, 17 equals good. Okay, so here the Bible is telling us ahead of time before we start going, getting very upset when we read the narrative because the narrative itself concerning Joseph is very alarming because Joseph is going to be very mistreated. And even though he's a little bit of a tattletale um, when he's young, and this is only because his, his character traits are not developed yet. The Bible tells us in Hebrew, if we just look at it, it says, these are the generations of Jacob, Joseph being uh, 17 years old. And the Bible says, and 
uh, he was feeding the flock, and the Bible says, and the lad was with his brethren. This word lad translated into Hebrew is the word nar. And a nar is a general use of the term of someone who's immature or someone who's young. But it can also mean someone who is outwardly at, of age, but inwardly not quite at the age they should be. Do you ever, do you know anyone who's maybe up in years, maybe someone who's maybe 40 or 50 and their actual personality patterns are like they're 10? All right. Uh, or you know someone that has not yet been able to be de developed in their character because God is looking for character. The qualification for exaltation into greatness and into true leadership is character. Can you say that with me, character? Say this with me. I don't want to be denied my place in the body of Christ, and I'm willing to pay the price even if it means God giving me a character adjustment. Hello, I said a character adjustment. Now, beloved saints, I want you to see that the lad, the spiritual, the Bible is actually, the text is actually litigating a little bit. The text is giving us a reason why Joseph brought the, um, the word, the Dabar Ra to his father. This means a Dabar Ra is really bad. A Dabar Ra is something that, is a very negative character trait. Someone who's going to speak an evil word about someone else. The Bible does not deal easily with slanderers. And the Bible does not deal easily with persons that are gossip mongers. So it's very important that our mouth is very kind. And that when we say something about someone, that we're saying good and not evil about them. This is why we need to be very careful as Christians, what we say about one another. That's actually called Lashon Hara. And so he actually continually spoke against his brothers, but what the brothers are going to do to him does not match it. They, are, they hate him, and they're going to not hide the hate. They're not going to be able to ever speak peaceably to him. And they're actually going to plot his death. And when he goes to Shechem, they're going to put him in, an, in a pit and he's going to be crying for someone to help him. And Reuben, the eldest son, is going to go away from his responsibility and leave him in the hands of Levi and, and Simeon who are going to sell him to the Ishmaelites. He's going to go down into Egypt, become a slave for uh, over many, many, many years. And he's not going to see his father. His father's going to think that he's dead. And so just for a little bit of bad report when you're a 17-year-old, okay, so you're a 17-year-old and the Bible is telling us that he is not mature yet in his character. So the Bible isn't making excuses, but the Bible is showing us that he's got to go through some things in order to come to his destiny. Hello, somebody. Are you with me? Because his character has got to match the call of God on his life. And so he's brought down 
And 17 is really in the beginning of the narrative so that we know God had a good plan. And actually at the end of Genesis, Genesis chapter 50, verse 20, if you will look at it very quickly, Genesis chapter 50, verse 20 tells us that when Joseph's brothers came to him after his father was dead, let me read that for you. Genesis chapter 50, verse 20, when his father was dead, his brothers actually concocted a little bit of a, of a story that wasn't true. And let me read it to you. The Bible says, but as for you, notice, I'll go back in the text. It says, and his brethren also fell down before his face, and they said, behold, we are your servants. And Joseph said unto them, fear not, am I in the place of God? And notice, if you go back up in the text, verse 15, when Joseph's brethren saw that their father was dead, they said, Joseph will peradventure hate us and will require of us all the evil that we did unto him. And the Bible says, and they sent a messenger to Joseph saying, your father did command before he died saying, so shall you say unto Joseph, Forgive, I pray, the, the trespass of your brethren and their sin, for they did unto thee evil. And now we pray thee, forgive the trespass of thy servants, uh, the God of thy fathers. Uh, and Joseph wept when they spoke unto him. What's going on here? Joseph wept because Jacob never knew what actually happened in Egypt. Jacob never knew from Joseph the story of why he ended up in Egypt. You see, the brothers, after all these years, still could not see that the brother that they betrayed, who was doing them good when they came into the land, meant no harm. He had not one evil thought against them. And no more is he going to bring his father their evil report. He was greatly tested with that. Because when Jacob saw him, we see that Jacob was actually living a little further away from, jo from Joseph. And a lot of times we ask the question, why didn't Joseph just bring Jacob into his house? Why did Joseph allow Jacob, his father, to live a little bit far away from him? It is because Jacob never wanted to speak evil about his brothers and what they did to him. You see, his trial caused something good to happen in his life. The trials actually became a means of transformation, not annihilation. And God wants the trial to work in our life for transformation, not annihilation. Can I get a witness somewhere? So when the brothers have concocted this little lie because he never told his father and his father never said before, please forgive the, the sin of your servants because his father didn't know what they did. Joseph never told them that he was betrayed and brought down as a slave at the hands of his own brothers and that they faked his death and that the coat that they showed to the father was a lie. He never betrayed them. He just forgave them. And you see, God had a plan, two plans. Number one, the plan 
was for Joseph to be transformed in the fiery furnace. And it's something that when God allows us to go through trials, that we cooperate with the grace of God and that we allow God to do what he wants to do in that trial to make us more Christ-like. Hello, somebody. I said to make us more Christ-like. I didn't get a whole lot of witness here. I said to make us more Christ-like. And so we have to ask God, why are we going through this? Don't blame God and say, God, why'd you make this happen to me? We need to say, God, okay, what's going on? What do you want to do in my life? And that's exactly what happened to Joseph. Joseph said, as for you, verse 20, he said, as for you, you meant evil against me. But God meant it for good to bring to pass this day to save much people alive. Now fear not, I will nourish you and your little ones be comforted. And Joseph spoke kindly to them. Do you realize Joseph had not an ounce of bitterness? He had not an ounce of unforgiveness. He never said an evil thing about his brothers after what they did, and God promoted him to the place of ruler over Egypt. Turn to your neighbor and say, do yourself a favor. Let your mouth become a vehicle of God's grace. Hello, I said, let your mouth be a vehicle of God's grace and forgiveness and forgiveness. And you see the reward? It's really not worth risking a destiny over. Can you imagine if he would have just said, oh God, Father, I've got to talk to you. Father, I've got, to, I've got to sit you down and I've got to tell you what's going on and what has happened. Do you realize, Father, when you sent me to Shechem and I said, Hanini, I said, here am I. And you sent me to Shechem all by myself. I was there. My brothers betrayed me. They put me in a pit. I was crying and I was so traumatized and they pulled me up and they sold me to Ishmaelites and I was going down to Egypt and I was sold as a slave and, the, uh, and I was misunderstood and I was here in this place with all these idols of Egypt around me and you all thought that I was dead and no one even bothered to look me up for all these years. He didn't do that. He did not do that. He allowed God to transform his character so that he could step into the place of promise that God ordained for him. Because had he stayed in that immature state, he could have never stepped up to the blessing that God had for him as ruler over Egypt. Because his mission was not only to stay, save the Egyptians and to save the nations. His mission was to save Israel from the famine. Are you with me? Now watch it. Watch this. Say 17 equals good. I want you to go with me to Genesis chapter 48. Now, when they brought Jacob, the coat of Joseph, the Bible tells us in Genesis, I'm just going to read it for you very quickly, in Genesis chapter 37, when he was brought the coat and he looked at it and he recognized the coat. The Bible tells us 
hallelujah, that immediately in verse 35 of Genesis 37, the Bible says that Jacob recognized the coat. And verse 35 says, and all of his sons and all of his daughters rose up to comfort him. And he said to them, I will go down to the grave mourning for my son, for thus he wept for him. Notice it says all his sons and all of his daughters rose up to comfort him, but he refused to be consoled. He could not be comforted by his sons and daughters. And every single day of his life, until he met Joseph again, he wept and he mourned because Joseph was gone. You know, there are some of us here today, we have some unresolved issues. There's no closure on certain issues in our lives. We haven't been able to bring closure, so we're staying in this state. For example, some of us are in a state of hoping for something that's not going to happen because it's not good for you. Or we're hoping for something. We're hoping for something that naturally we have a need for, but in reality, just like Joseph was hoping that someday his brothers would love him, he was hoping someday they would recognize that he's their brother. But sometimes in this world, God allows us to go through things, and he wants us to be in a place of being able to have true closure, real reality, and make a decision, I'm going to love this person even if they don't love me back. Or I'm going to close the issue, this is how they are, but I'm not going to see them like that. I'm going to treat them differently. But we're in reality about it. We're not holding on to something that's a non-reality, trying to make somebody else change. Because then we can become approval addicts. And then we can spend our lives trying to make other please other people for the whole, our whole life. And there has to be closure. There has to be closure to some issues, and the only way we can have the strength to close it is with Jesus. He will give us the strength to have that closure that we need to be in reality about certain relationships and certain hurts and certain circumstances in our lives that are so painful for us to deal with. And in this case, there was no closure for, closure for Jacob. This is why he mourned every single day. But the Bible tells us, hallelujah, that the day came when the sons came back and said to him, Joseph is yet alive. And the Bible tells us in Genesis chapter 47, I want you to see this, that Joseph and Jacob met. And the Bible tells us that he wept and he was able to see his son. But look at what the Bible says. And Israel dwelt in Egypt, in the land of Egypt and in the country of, of uh, Egypt. And he had great possessions and they grew and multiplied exceedingly. Now watch this. And Jacob lived in the land of Egypt 17 years. I said, Jacob lived in the land of Egypt 17 years. Say this with me. It worked together for good. 17 equals good. 
say, God's about to do good in my life because all things work together for good to those who love God and are the called according to his purpose. Hallelujah. I want you to see when Jacob was ready to die, he got 17 years with his son. He thought his son was dead. But guess what? God turned what seemed to be such a tragedy into such a triumph. The God that you serve is a God that oftentimes uses your pain to train for greatness. The God that you serve is a God of restoration and divine compensation. And somebody ought to give God the praise. Beloved saints, I'm going to close with this. I want you to see it. Jacob on his deathbed. And the Bible says, the Bible uses the word Israel because that's his spiritual name. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 48, verse 11, and Israel said to Joseph, I thought not to ever see your face again. But God has showed me also your seed. Say we serve a God that's so mighty. Jacob never thought that he'd see Joseph again, but little did he know he's not only going to see Joseph, but he's going to see Joseph's sons because 17 equals good. I want you to understand that today God is about to do good. We've spoken about rebuilding the ruins of revival in the church. We've spoken about the Babylonians are the ones who torched the gates and the Babylonians as a prophetic parallel of the world. The world that has come into the church, the system of the world, the thinking of the world. The Bible says, if any man be a friend of the world, he is God's enemy. So we want to live holy, but we want to be the light of the world. And you can do that today by receiving Jesus Christ, who is the light of the world, into your heart. And beloved, I believe right now God is giving scriptures of restoration, scriptures of consolation, and scriptures of divine compensation. You will take back the territory. Here is a word that God has for you. I will do better to you than in your beginnings. That is a promise that God gave uh, through Ezekiel to the land of Israel in Ezekiel 36, verse 11. I will do better to you than in your beginnings. And God is giving you a word right now. Those of you that feel like you've been barren, like you have not produced any fruit. Those of you who feel like you've been in a desert and that your life is just really not going anywhere. Here is the word that God is speaking to you. Those of you that have had your dream collapse, like Jerusalem's wall that collapsed, I believe that God is repairing your ruins today and that God is doing a new thing in your life. Beloved saints, here's what I hear God saying to you. I hear God saying, Isaiah 54, verse 3, he is saying, you are going to break out on the right, you're going to break out on the left. He is saying, stretch forth the place of your habitation. Let your tent be extended, for you are going to break out on the right and break out on the left. 
And God is telling someone else, you are going to forget the shame of your youth. God is saying those mistakes that were made are going to turn into miracles. Even if you are older, God is not necessarily speaking about when you were 15. God is speaking about decisions that we made or decisions that we made that were not quite mature. If only we would have known then what we know now. But the God that you serve is a God who turns mistakes into miracles. And I believe right now God is turning your mistake into a miracle because we serve a God of the impossible. Today, beloved saints, receive the anointing of these 21 days of messianic miracles. God said, I'll give you double for your shame. And I believe that right now God is giving a word to someone who is a prisoner of hope. That means that you're just holding on to hope. You are holding on to God's word. You're expecting a miracle any day. And God says, turn to the stronghold, you prisoners of hope. For today, I declare, I will render double unto you. If today, beloved saints, you have been blessed by this program, I want you to receive your complimentary version of my 21-day devotional, Rebuilder of Your Ruins. This is an awesome devotional. It's all full of notes here. But 21 days that gives you a scripture every single day on how to rebuild the broken dreams, how to possess the promises of God, how not to stay stuck in the storm. It's yours absolutely free by calling the number on your screen, 714-694-1100. And we will send it to you immediately by PDF. I want you to get this into your hands. I want your ruins rebuilt because God is going to take your dream and use it for his glory. It's time to redeem the dream in your life. And if you have never made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, he is the rebuilder of our ruins, beloved. He is the one that validates our pain. You are not alone. God wants you right now to receive blessings in your life. And right now, beloved saints, you can make Jesus, if you don't know him, the Lord of your life. He will be your best friend. Let him cleanse you from sin. Let him deliver you from the past and begin over again. Say this prayer with me. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Wash me clean from sin. Be the Lord of my life. Lord Jesus, I surrender my entire life to you. I give everything to you. Be the Lord of my life for your honor and glory. I give you praise and I give you glory. Come into my heart. Be the Lord of my life. Wash me clean. And Lord, I surrender all my life to you. Be my personal Lord and Savior. If you have said that today to the one who loves you more than anyone else in this world, he will come into your heart and be your Savior. I pray you receive him. He's waiting for you right now to make that decision to invite him into your heart. We love you. God bless you. And if you stay with us for another moment, I'm going to share with you. We're going to turn it to our announcer. And he's going to share with you how you can become a part of worldwide feeding the poor all over the world. 
We love you. God bless you. And don't forget your free copy of Rebuilder of the Ruins. Thank you for joining us today on Day of Destiny. We invite you to our website at mydayofdestiny.com where you can easily access other podcasts and obtain your copy of Dr. Corral's latest book, Secrets of the Anointing. Also, we want to take this moment to invite you to engage in extending your hand of kindness by planting your seed or offering for multitudes that include orphans, providing water wells, providing medical supplies, clinics, feeding programs, and many other services to the suffering church and through efforts of evangelism worldwide. Just go to our website and click the donate button or text to give. Text HESED, C-H-E-S-E-D, to 7797. That's HESED, to 7797. You are also invited to visit Dr. Michelle Corral Facebook or Instagram. We look forward to having you encounter the anointing with us on our next Day of Destiny podcast.